All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the actual Anarchy Podcast, a podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian and narco-capitalist perspective. And tonight we're going to go way back over 30 years to kick off the comic book era in film adaptations in a series or in the film that actually spawned a series that almost killed off the very movement it had uh, started. It's going to be a good one. We're talking about Batman and we're going to have our friend Shaheen on for this. Uh, he will be introduced on the last night's portion of the show. This is episode 169 of the show. And I know, yeah, we should have probably done another uh, Adam Sandler film just because of the 69 joke there. But this is 169. So maybe that's why we can keep it on the level, keep this work safe for work or whatever. Speaking of work, Robert is back at it. My co-host, Robert. How are you, sir? Oh, hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going mighty fine. Now you had a couple of weeks off and now you have started again is... Uh, is business going well? And and last time you also mentioned you might be looking at some physical space. Yeah, we're looking at space time, which has been theorized by Nobel Prize winning physicists, which seems to be holding true so far. There are spaces and times available to be purchased from dirty, greedy capitalists that want money in exchange for their space time. Uh, we went and saw a place today that might work out. Uh, we're in negotiations currently. We have some discussions to do, see if it'll work for our business interests. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll work out, though. It, it, it might be a decent space. We could make some some good coinage there and some dirty, dirty money. Well, it is nice that you are not only exploiting yourself, but also potentially other people in pursuit of profit and naked greed, uh, which is uh, sort of talked about in uh, the Batman movie here, Batman 89 and Batman Returns, which we will also touch on with our guest in the last nighters portion of the show. This is uh, episode 169. Check it out at actualanarchy.com slash 169. We'll kick off last nighters right after this. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, The Last Nighters, and Last Nighters can be found on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. This is episode 112 of the show. We're talking about Batman 1989 and maybe a little bit of uh, Batman Returns in here with our friend from Adelaide, Australia, Shaheen. We'll introduce him in just a second, uh, but it's hard to believe it's been over 30 years since this film kind of reignited the comic book genre, and uh, it should be a fun discussion tonight. Uh, ways you can support the show. You can share this around with your friends, uh, YouTube videos, subscribe to us, give us some likes, some shares, all that stuff. You can also challenge us, give us some uh, questions on our old Facebook page or uh, you know any, anything you got. Um, we also have a Patreon, which you can access at lastnighters.com slash Patreon and get bonus content in exchange for federal uh, reserve notes, fiat currency. We, we still accept that, at least for the time being. Uh, of course, you can send us physical gold if you've got it and you're willing to part with it. Um, and I don't know, Robert, are you, uh, are you accepting Bitcoin? I am not at this point. You just reject it out of hand. You wouldn't take it if someone, some, some dirty bum handed it to you on the street. You'd be like, no gracias. 
I wouldn't know what to do with it because I don't have a wallet or anything like that. So perhaps I'm just showing my old curmudgeon ways. I'm a grumpy old man. So I don't know how to actually accept it or uh, utilize it in any fashion. So yeah, I would probably have to turn it down in exchange for or in preference to the fiat, which I do know how to use and spend uh, liberally, so to speak. Disgusting Luddite. You disgust me. You still ride on a horse and buggy to work? I do. Smoke signals to, is that what we're doing? This is one of the smoke signal podcasts. Well, I am sending a signal. There's a bat signal behind me and uh, that can mean only one thing. Is that? Is that Shaheen's music? It is. It's our Shaheen, all the way from Adelaide. He's been on the show many times in the past talking about Batman, talking about Superman, all things DCEU. And uh, we do appreciate you coming back on. Uh, Shaheen, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and remind them uh, where they can find what you do. And then we will kick off the uh, discussion of Batman 89. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Shaheen, and I do... I come along for, for for all the Batman episodes. That's kind of my niche. And yeah, you can just find me on Twitter. I mean, it'll be in the show notes page, I trust. That is correct, sir. This will be in the uh, show notes page. And that can be found at lastnighters.com slash 112 or 112, as this is the 112th show of the Last Nighters. Uh, also found on the Launchpad Media. Also found on Patreon at uh, lastnighters.com slash Patreon, where you can get, uh, you know, the bonus content in exchange for those fiat dollars we were talking about earlier. Or, you know, gold dust, gold bits, uh, but not Bitcoins. Yeah. So I think I've confused everybody now. And so why don't we go to Google and figure out how to get around the uh, confusion here. All right. So this is the Google description, how we start off the show. Uh, Batman came out in 1989. Crime and action film, two hours and six minutes, 7.5 IMDb, 72% Rotten Tomatoes, two out of four from Roger Ebert. 91% of Google users like it. This is directed by Tim Burton, of course. Uh, Description reads... Having witnessed his parents' brutal murder as a child, millionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne, played by Michael Keaton, fights crime in Gotham City disguised as Batman, a costume hero who strikes fear into the hearts of villains. But when a deformed madman who calls himself the Joker, played by Jack Nicholson, seizes control of Gotham's criminal underworld, Batman must face his most most ruthless nemesis ever while protecting both his identity and his love interest reporter Vicky Vale, played by the lovely Kim Bassinger. And this came out in uh, June 23rd, 1989, director Tim Burton. The featured song is the Batman theme uh, by Danny Elfman and uh, also features songs by Prince uh, awkwardly placed throughout the film. Box office of $411.5 million on a budget of $35 million and probably on about $411.5 million Happy Meals. Uh, Robert, your take on this commercial success with all of the product tie-ins. And then we'll go to uh, Shaheen. Well, this is one of the big movies of my childhood. I remember being about, well, I was like, 13 years old when this came out and it was kind of a big deal. Me being a big comic book nerd, um, Jack Nicholson's performance to actually get an actor of the the level of quality of Jack Nicholson. I mean, he only did the movie with a bunch of guaranteed money and then a bunch of back end money. So he got like a percentage deal. So he ended up getting like, I don't know, over $25 million for this film. And top top billing uh, was a requirement as well. Right. So I mean, Keaton, at that point, he had done like Mr. Mom. He'd done multiple, I don't know about multiplicity, but he'd done some some lower level stuff. He was perfectly an established actor, but he wasn't quite to the level of a Nicholson who had done so many great things in the 70s. But you definitely see, and this is also kind of, I guess, the breakout for Tim Burton. I don't remember a whole lot of stuff he did before this, if anything. He was a Beetle young like, film student guy. Yeah, I guess off the back of Beetlejuice, I suppose. It kind of bankrolled him into Batman. Um, I don't know how you get 
Batman from Beetlejuice, but I guess if anybody could make a comic book movie, they're like, whatever, we don't know how to do it. Give it to this guy. But you definitely see um, Cesar Romero in Nicholson. It, it, his performance is almost like exactly what you would expect it to be. So it's not really surprising you, but he does a, a solid performance. Like if you take the influence of Cesar Romero, you give it to Jack Nicholson because that's all there really was before that, right? It was just Cesar Romero and then the comic books. And then you have, you know, the director. What's his name? Why did I just forget his name? Burton. Burton's directing. And yeah, you get you get exactly what you would expect with this film. Um, it has that kind of dreamlike quality. Like there are all these manufactured sets, right? That's how he did them. Kind of like it feels like a Terry Gilliam film. It has this kind of like otherworldly dreamlike quality where it's like not quite real, but sort of real. It's... At the time, it was great. At the time, it was all we had. And it was like this breakout thing that everybody went and saw. Like even normal, normal people like went and saw this film. But since then, since then, we've had so much better, so much improved things, improved performances that I think this, this, this movie's starting to lose a little bit of its luster. It's still all decent, right. but I don't know. It just doesn't quite level up to hold up to uh, scrutiny after so much better stuff has come out. Maybe if we hadn't had you know, the renaissance of comic book stuff that we've had lately. Um, it would, I'd have a better view of it, but it's, it's kind of quaint and quirky and it has its own vibe to it, but I don't think that anybody would seriously do it today. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a strong opening uh, statement. I think that uh, we're going to have some contention on this one with Shaheen, who is our DCE, you guy. Uh, my, my take on your aesthetic uh, interpretation of it looking like a Gilliam film or, uh, like a dark city. I think you're right. Um, I see a lot of Brazil in this. There were a lot of actual sets that were created, but then there's also a lot of uh, like green screen effects to make this kind of dystopian nightmare background. Um, and then also the um, the gadgetry and the the all the little uh, models. You can actually tell they're models, which is kind of quaint in a way. Looking back on it now, I mean, back in the in the day when this came out, yeah, you're right. It was like cutting edge and looking very awesome on screen, but I don't think it's aged very well. And I was just thinking, you know, what's another film that came out uh, a few years around this that might have a different uh, <laughs> amount of holding up to today. And I was thinking T2, like T2 still looks amazing. And it's just a few years after this. But I think that was part of Burton's aesthetic was the kind of steampunk, but real things like real physical things in there and not so much of the computery stuff. Like T2 was all, you know, the silvery or, you know, the, the morphing was like all computer, computer stuff. But I think For it holds sure. up pretty well. You think right. Batman holds up or T2 holds up? T2. T2 yeah. holds up far better. It looks, it looks well more contemporary uh, than Batman does. Batman looks dated. Yeah, you could put T2 next to a modern movie and it wouldn't look that bad in comparison. For sure. Right. Whereas okay. Batman, you put Batman next to anything and it's looking pretty old. Right. It, and it does look like Brazil or it looks like uh, Dark City or something like that. And it, it feels like it's of that period. Definitely. All right. So, Shaheen, these are fighting words. Uh, let's get your take on the Google description and, and how two knuckleheads here have run our mouths about how this is dated. Right. Well, the uh, the Google um, description does seem to be pretty accurate, especially compared to all the other films, especially compared to Batman v Superman. I think, well, what was that about? It was like Batman has to do this or some shit like that. But yeah, I do agree. It does look a bit dated, but I think that's part of the um, just part of the charm of the film at this point is it, it is an old movie and it is Burton's you know dark dystopian aesthetics and that whole just gothic look. Like it's something 
it's like a live action version of the same kind of world as you know Jack Skellington and or and the Corpse Bride. I definitely see that with like all the different characters, the aesthetics, the type of town, all the smoke and stuff. Like it definitely feels like a completely different town from um, let's say The Dark Knight. That looked a lot more real, whereas this is like a, a half real, half dark fantasy sort of a town, which I actually really like. Yeah, there's a lot of gothic kind of gargoyles and faces built into things, especially in Batman Returns, which I watched part of. You can see faces in the architecture all over the place in that one. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be meaningful in some way, but it, it really stood out to me. I, don't, I didn't notice as much in Batman 89, but perhaps if I were to rewatch it again, maybe I would see that. But um, Shaheen, let's set the scene a little bit, because part of the initial take on this was that this was really dark. People were expecting something a lot lighter because, I mean, set the scene. The last time we see Batman and Joker on screen, it's Winston Cesar Romero and, you know, surfing with sharks with which, uh, you know, Fonzie later jumped and getting sprayed with anti-shark repellent while hanging from a helicopter. And then we've got uh, the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And we've got Mr. Mom as Batman. I mean, this does not look like it's going to be a good thing. Uh, and I think that in reading, you know, some of the uh, initial re- reactions to the announcements of the film coming out, that people were concerned about this. And then when they saw it, they were concerned that it was really dark. But it actually turned out to kind of inspire comic book films to become, take that darker turn and, and have a little bit more depth, depth to them than we've had before. I mean, before this was like shit like Flash Gordon and some of the, you know, Superman. Chris Reeve, Superman's, which they weren't like super campy, not like the Batman movie series. But uh, what do you what do you think? I mean, what do you think going into this, what people were expecting mm-hmm. then versus what they got? Um, well, the thing is, about three years before this came out is when the comic book of you remember Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller old Batman story. That's when that came out. And that's pretty much the first really dark Batman story. And that kind of set the scene for this. A lot more people were all the big Batman fans were kind of getting accustomed to the more darker stories like in the late 80s and yeah i do know i think i read somewhere on twitter that uh, a lot of people were very um just pissed off that michael keaton was cast which i think he did a great job but yeah i guess if he's not really established and he's kind of I think batman is kind of what established him at that point and kind of just took him real high i mean yeah i could I guess see some people were just some people would just I remember like, that. I don't want Beetlejuice to be Batman. Yeah, I remember that vividly. That there are a lot of complaints that Keaton didn't have the physicality or the seriousness to pull off a Bruce Wayne. Kind of similar with Pattinson, you know, mm. currently being the new Batman. Like, what has he done? Like Twilight. It's like, well, okay. He's done he um, good times as well. In the Lighthouse. But people mostly know him from Twilight. I only knew him from Twilight. I was like, I don't want a sparkly vampire Batman. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, Vampire Batman doesn't sound too good, but we'll see. I didn't think Affleck was going to be a good Batman, and I was right. Though I think, <laughs> Shane, you like him as uh, as Batman. In Justice League, he was shit. But then again, that whole movie was shit, sir. No argument here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've already duked it out on that one. And then uh, we also did do the Batman Returns, or Dark Knight Returns, uh, with you a couple of uh, months back. So we'll post all that on the show notes page, of course. Lastnards.com slash 112. Uh, now there was something I was going to, um, ask about. Oh yeah. So, so back to Michael Keaton, I think that he was an established actor, but he was known for comedy, uh, and, and this kind of put him over the top into like being an actual star, but he didn't get paid very much for this movie in comparison to say Jack Nicholson. But I guess, um, because Burton had worked with Keaton a couple of times before, including Beetlejuice. And then this in Batman returns, he made sure that 
he got Keaton again because people were like kind of iffy on whether it was going to be him coming back or not. They were considering other actors and they made sure that um, Burton made sure that Keaton got paid like 10 or $11 million to come back. So he kind of got his payday a little bit later. Uh, it seemed like it may be a loyalty bonus or something like that. But in the scenes where, you know, he's the Bruce Wayne character, I, I, I buy it totally when he's dressed up in the bat suit and he's kind of like sort of awkwardly jogging along uh, and, and trying to do the physicality yeah. stuff. It looks kind of ridiculous. He can't, he, can't move, he can't move his neck. He's like, yeah, you see, there's a scene where he has to look up and he goes like, ah. yeah, yeah. Right. Now, yeah. That, the old Batman suit technology is really showing its age in this film. I know they've gotten better with it. Right. But the first ones they mm -hmm. yeah, they couldn't, it's just a big, what is it? Like a foam vinyl, Rubber, Cowl, rubber thing, yeah. yeah, it does. It's just a solid piece of material. You can't really do anything with. With modern, modern with a uh, a lot of R and D, now he can move his neck. So we've come a long way. We've come a long way. But if you're a crime fighter out there, having to look around at things, you probably want to be able to move your neck. Yeah, yeah. probably, probably positive. So I didn't see a whole lot of um, Batman being a badass or being very sleuthy or detectively in this one. I didn't see a whole lot of. Um, concrete story i didn't understand really why things were happening uh-oh mm -hmm. daniel's you got know, some plot criticisms here people well yeah uh, well the joker he's just a crazy man right so he can do whatever he wants right and he blames they're, they're, it's just lazy screenwriters get out of jail free card yeah and he blames batman for being uh having caused his deformity. And, and also for taking his screen time because something about the joker is he really wants to um like in the comics as well he wants to get recognition and he wants people to remember him and get the attention from everyone. And when Batman's like on the front page of the newspapers and all the news reports are talking about Batman, not him, that kind of makes him angry. And so the whole reason he was having that big parade was to get everyone's attention away from Batman and onto him. Right. He was like, yeah. I'm going to give away millions of dollars. Everyone calm down. And, and this was, uh, was this the one where they were going to have the 200th anniversary and they were like bankrupt and they yeah. were like, I don't care if we don't have money, we're still going to have this celebration because we want to appear like we're in you know good shape and all this stuff so i guess he took that opportunity to get get people down there or whatever now this is a this is a scene where the prince song just fell flat for me it seemed very awkward like it wasn't i know prince is like a god like you know musician people really love him i never really got into him the songs in this film didn't do it for me what they, you didn't like the bat dance song the bad dance when they're doing the parade thing. Yeah, it just Jack Damn. Nicholson's trying oh, to dance to this stuff and it just doesn't oh. have a hook to it. I mean, there's no there's nothing to dance to. You know, it just seems really weird. It's definitely out of place. That's for sure. The Danny Elfman, I would say the, the soundtrack song theme fits the tone. But yeah, the, the Prince music doesn't necessarily fit the tone. I'm surprised. I don't know if it was like a studio decision or if this is a Burton decision, but I it, it seems out of place. You're right. I mean, yeah. it's kind of. When it when he does when it is playing, it, it he is going for that crazy wild atmosphere when the in the in the parade, but it is contrary to the rest of the event. At least at least it's when Joker's on screen. It's not like when Batman's like you know coming down the street or something. Right. Sure. And and I guess uh, well, I, 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 my brain just kind of filters that kind of awkward stuff just out. Like I see it and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, forget it. Back to the plot. Or like back to Batman coming down with a Batwing. So like. Yeah, it's like yeah. I just didn't even realize about like I only reckon I I only remembered it now that you mentioned it. Like otherwise, a lot of the scenes I just forget. They don't really mean that much. I didn't remember there was a Prince song. Yeah, yeah, that was, did the soundtrack. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a big deal back then. Now speaking of Elton, 
Elfman, of course, is you know well known now. He did the Simpsons theme, and of course, Batman, and, and multitudes of movies since then. But back Spider-Man. when he was tabbed to do this, he was relatively unknown, or un, he was an unknown quantity in some ways. So he um, there was pushback on whether he was going to be able to do the theme music for this or not, and it you know obviously he he did a great job because it's iconic. I think that this is the Batman theme you think of uh, when you're not thinking of the. Uh, the campy uh tv series so this is the this is batman theme now well yeah it's, it's very similar is it, theme. is it do you know shaheen is it the exact same theme as the animated series or is it just similar it's very very similar yeah like 90 95 similar that was a little bit different but yeah yeah because that's the iconic <laughs> batman theme to me maybe I, i've probably watched more animated series than i have movies and that along with like kevin conroy's voice as Bruce i got Wayne. this bad boy right here yeah, that's the one. The right Blu-ray. There. The complete. Yeah. There you go. Been binging that as well. Yes, that'll be our next episode. Uh, the entire series? No. Like, yeah. The animated series, the whole thing. Oh, nice. But that was really well done. I'm sure that's a lot of people are, are yeah. familiar with the animated series if they know Batman, if they grew up when we grew up, or even slightly afterwards. It's still popular. To e- even when I grew up, it was there. We got Batman Beyond as well, Justice League, a lot of good shit. Yeah. DC's got a lot of good animated series stuff. I think superior to marvel stuff marvel has animated stuff yeah they got some not a lot but some but it's just so forgettable it's it's no. like whatever yeah exactly it's not, it's not as no, strong. Some, of the, some of the spider-mans are pretty good like the old uh cartoons from like 90s and early 2000s i watched a bunch of them as a kid yeah, yeah i remember watching some spider-man there's some 80s uh spider-man too i remember those I remember liking them well i remember I the to. old 70s spider-man spider-man oh that must be whatever spider can spins yeah. away catches these just like flies look out you, so you were actually the remember the song nice yeah man yeah i've I watched that many times terrible animation terrible the worst animation ever short little crappy think, story well when was it made like 67 or something yeah it's way back it's then. old it's in the 60s yeah okay i actually had one of the little spider-man like dolls and, and i mean you could take the spider suit off not not that i did this like purposefully to be weird oh, nice. but yeah it's like a ken doll just with a spider head Oh, geez. You must have been disappointed. Yeah, don't ask me how I know that. Thank you. Can't tell us like or anything like that. But <laughs> um, let's go back to the, the parade thing just real quick, because I wanted to make a point about how governments are willing to do deficit spending, blow the budgets, yeah. no matter yeah. what, just for the appearance of doing something. And mm-hmm. I just thought this would be a point that, uh, Robert, you could tee off on for a moment and then, you know, we can pile on. Well, sure. You're talking about government officials that are only there temporarily, right? So they're there to get in and get out. They're not really concerned too much with the long-term health of any given society. I mean, sure, they'll pay lip service, but they're basically in there to loot and move on because they're only going to be there for a few years. So what do they care? They don't have any long-term skin in the game in terms of the health of anything not that I would say government contributes to the health that sucks away from it. But you know, the, uh, the sales pitch is that government helps regulate the society and that sort of thing. Another thing I wanted to talk about, thank you very much, because how did the Joker manage to get his products into the, the, the supply, um, you know, with, with what the FDA, isn't the FDA protecting the citizens of Gotham, but they must not have the FDA that in this, in the DC cinematic universe. All right, let's not poke holes, Robert. The plot is a little bit flimsy, you know. What are you talking about? The FDA is going to protect those people from those products, those tainted products. Get get the right amount in the right uh, different products, and so only certain combinations are going to make people sick and and have the uh, smile. It is a pretty smart 
fiendish plan, though. You got to hand it to the Joker on this one. It's pretty good. You only mix certain products together and then it has bad effects. Otherwise, it's like indistinguishable from the normal product. Yeah. So I had a question. The um, the news anchors, this is really kind of shown on, you know, they look all done up and everything. And then that one lady dies. And then later on, you see the news anchors and they're all like disheveled and have like sores and, and whatnot on the faces. Is that because they're no longer using beauty products and makeup, hygiene products? Yeah, I think that's the thing. They, they okay. just stopped using any makeup. So it's not like they're getting some minor reaction to some of the altered um, products. Yeah. They were just no longer. Yeah, using yeah that's so I the, think the, there was nothing. There's no, no, nothing said about it. So I always assumed it was because they just stopped wearing makeup. It was just an exaggerated attempt to show that. They're just not wearing any makeup right now. That's just the state of things. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess Batman does do some detective sleuthing by figuring out this combination, though we don't see him really working it out. There's not that um, Sherlock moment. No, but we do know that Batman in this universe is a total perv. He's got all kinds of cameras all over his mansion, spying on all his guests, talking about whatever they're talking about. All right, because this is when he can go back and play the uh, conversation that commissioner gordon had with one of the guys to go mm -hmm. to the cool. chemical plant yes yeah i don't know yes. what do you think about that daniel you're gonna record all your all your guests in your home feel totally cool with that i mean we sort of touched on this a little bit back in uh the royale the el royale movie we, yeah yeah we mentioned it it's 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 a, it happens from time to time yeah and i think you know it's your property you can kind of do that but also there's a reasonable expectation that you're not going to record everyone's every move especially at that level of detail where you can get like everything they said, NSA style, like prism, yeah. everything. And then I don't know. It, that's it a recurring theme of Batman movies, right? The, the dark Knight, That's him making mm. he gets the power to spy on everybody in Gotham in this movie. He's just doing it to people that come to his house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe that in, in the dark Knight is a callback to this a little bit, but on a, on a broader scale, maybe it's to address mm. this because Alfred does bring it up in dark Knight, And in this one, Alfred does the unthinkable, he brings a woman to the bat lair. He's the worst. Alfred's just the worst. He cannot keep a secret. Just because he thinks Bruce is lonely, he's like, yeah, this whole secret thing, don't worry about it. Yeah, and, and he's really pushing Bruce on this woman he had a one-night stand with. I mean, yeah, it seemed a little... He's a fast mover, that Alfred. Come on, man. Batman's going to get some tail. It's what's going to happen. You can't be throwing all these women at him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. If I was a guest at the Wayne Manor, even if it was like this swanky party, and I found out that there were just like cameras all over the place recording my every move, I'd feel a little bit violated. I clearly, he has the right to do whatever he wants with his property. I probably just wouldn't go back there. I wouldn't like sue him or anything. Socially. But yeah, it's like, like it's a breach of It's like a etiquette. social, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you're going to do this shit, I'm not going to be a friend anymore. Uh, yeah, and it's not like they were just surveillance cameras like security-wise. Like, oh, if somebody breaks something or steals something, I want to be able to go back and you know see who did He's it. Got, like telescopic mics and stuff, like zooming right. in you know, people are talking about. Yeah, this is like prying. Uh, mm -hmm. in a private conversation. I mean, this is like A A to B, and then here's C intercepting. So yeah, yeah. That, that feels a little little beyond the pale. <laughs> I mean, he's doing it in response to Alfred telling him that something's going on, but still he's recording it the whole time just in case. And I so guess he could go and perv on people. Um in a way, if you think about it, he only does use it for like crime related stuff. And since it's Batman, we know he actually only only does use it for that, as opposed to the NSA, who knows it for God knows what. Right. He's not going to be selling your data or coming after you because you like avoided taxes or some shit. But he only, he only looks through it in response to yeah, Gordon having to go. I don't know, maybe he deletes everything after like a few days or like a week. Is 
how the hell is he going to like keep recording everything and storing it? Can you imagine how many videotape sets he's got in that cave? Just yeah, load it up. The contraptions he'd be playing it on, you know, Tim Burton-esque, like <laughs> Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> Jack Skellington, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing that stood out to me was how when he's flying in the Batwing, he's just kind of aimlessly flying around for whatever reason. Just doesn't seem to be a reason. And then he just happens to have this balloon catching hook thing because the Joker just happens to have these Macy's Day parades with Smilex in them. He's he's freaking Johnny on the spot, Cub Scout, Boy Scout guy. He's coming prepared. I'm glad he's prepared. Yeah, yeah. prepared. Yes, shock spray, balloon mm-hmm. catches. What's next? Just, Rehydrate. Just, just not a move. You know. Just not not a movable neck. That's the only thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll he'll get to that later. And then uh, we see the. <laughs> The confrontation where the Batwing is flying down towards the Joker misses him with these Gatling guns and rockets and everything. Well, Emma's well, got a freaking like target lock on him, you know? He's not doing the Skywalker, you know, trench run shot here. <laughs> yeah. He's shooting like a fucking stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Joker just stands there because he's not afraid. Because he's like, well, I know that he's not going to hit me with all this like advanced weaponry with targeted systems and shit. And he pulls out this, you know, super long pistol, fires one shot, takes him out. Yeah, why did he why did he build the Batmobile to withstand like a million bullets, but the Batwing to withstand zero bullets? I mean that that gun, all that barrel does is improve his accuracy, which I don't even know because he was holding it back down at the handle, so it's still swabbling around. But it wasn't like a huge caliber weapon. But still, I mean, it's a Joker weapon. Who cares? Yeah, but I, I thought that was confrontation was funny because then they do it later in uh, Dark Knight again, where <laughs> Heath Ledger mm-hmm. like egging him on. And mm-hmm. uh, Batman, like, does a, I don't know, tries to avoid killing him. Adam. Yeah. Just kind of uh, e-brake slide or whatever. Or crashes his, uh, is it the bat bike he had in that one? I forget. Yeah. The old bat cycle. Bat yeah. Yeah, the pod. Uh, but so then then uh, Joker takes uh, Vicky Vale up 900 Shocking. feet of uh, stairwell. Up some He's not even out of breath. For, for whatever reason. Like, what was Joker's plan here? Well, he's doing a lot of CrossFit in order to get up those stairs and just be not even breathing hard. But Vicky Vale is nothing to Batman as far as Joker knows. And Joker was giving away this money, trying to kill everyone with the Smilex. Batman foils the plot, gets the balloons out there with his balloon snipper. But shouldn't Joker, like, now he shot down the Batman, Batwing. Batman appears to be missing or dead. He's, like, hiding under some rubble. So why is Joker, what's he doing? Why does he just leave or go continue his plot why does he need to go up this thing taller than the Sears Tower to get a helicopter ride? You need uh, to stop the- thinking about this finale. You got to get all up off the rider's back about that. This can yeah. no, it can't always make sense. All right, all this right. is the Joker. He does what he wants. Yeah. You know what He's it crazy. is. Guess, We've got to get the that's he- in the Belfry payoff. That's what we got to get. That line. That line's got to yeah. get into the film. So we got to get into a Belfry. Yeah, that's fair. And Dancing with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight. All that good stuff. Right, which the reason he took Vicky there was because Jerk actually liked that. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had given up on uh, Jerry Hall. Was that her name? The uh, that who that was Alicia. Yeah, yeah, Alicia, who was the crime Jack Palance's uh, girl, who was cheating on him with with uh, Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Why is Jack Nicholson Jack in like every movie? He's Jack. He doesn't have to learn a new character name. <laughs> He's so good at like being an actor, but he can't not be called Jack. It's crazy. <laughs> The guy's the guy's been able to have a, a fantastic career, still getting a cubby called Jack in every movie. Leave him alone; he's a genius. <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna be me and do my thing. I am actually crazy, you know. Give me top billing. 
and all the money. Yeah. Yeah. That's something like I noticed when returned. Danny DeVito looks like him as him as Penguin is a completely new character. Like I can't imagine Danny DeVito being the Penguin. Whereas Jack Nicholson, I can like he's still being Jack Nicholson when he's Joker. Like he's no different. He's still Jack Nicholson. He yeah. legit is just being himself. I mean he's 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 doing his impression of himself and Cesar Romero, but yeah, I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's still really good, don't get me wrong, but it's just a fun little anecdote. It's very much comic booky. It's very much over the top, either off or on. It's not so much nuanced like a Heath Ledger. You know yep. what I'm saying? Okay, so yeah. you guys want to talk about the one issue of fuzzy morality that I yeah, saw? Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Uh, after that, I want to ask you about Bob, Robert. But let's go. With about killing uh, Bob? Well, he was incompetent. This course, the has to kill him. He didn't know about the, the Batwing, so he's got to die, clearly. Anyway, so... The one issue of fuzzy morality that I saw is Batman driving into the Axis chemical plant, drops a bomb and blows up the entire mm-hmm. building with every single employee dead inside it. It sure seemed to me like, yeah, they're all Joker guys. And yeah, that plant was producing chemicals that were poisoning and killing people. But people were buying those products. Yeah, they were buying them under pretenses of fraud. But did it was it a proportionality issue or was this entirely justified for him to just go in and then murder everybody in that building because when he breaks in they're essentially defending their property by shooting ineffectually dumb little bullets at the batmobile that aren't doing anything because it's not the batwing but then he just drops a bomb and then the whole place explodes so i take some kind of issue i mean what about the secretary just doing her job what about the the janitors that are just cleaning up the trash i i i I kind of feel bad because he's like murdering a whole lot of people and pretty indiscriminately. So I can't, I don't know if, if Batman's the perfect moral character in, in this scene. So you're making the uh, Death Star under construction argument from Clerks. Somewhat, somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Because um, yeah, it's, it's gradations. Like, yeah, the guys that are working at the Axis plant are responsible in part for poisoning people. Um, but does that mean that they all just need to be instantly judged, juried, and executed by Batman in this one scene? I uh, it seems a little bit much to me. I would wanna, I would be want to be more nuanced in my in my justice. Not that I'm fully for some bureaucratic uh, justice system either, but you know what I'm saying. What do you do? You do you think it's totally clean in this scene? You're you're totally rooting for Batman the whole way through? Uh, not really. Like uh, I do understand. I think look, the movie does imply. That pretty much everyone in that building is a bad guy. Like that's yeah, sure. It's not the real world. Like in the real world, yeah, there'd be janitors, secretaries, people forced to be there against their will, employees that have no idea what's going on, and some Joker thugs. But I think for the sake of the scene and the movie and the kind of black and white morality of like superhero movies, especially back then, it would be fair to imply that pretty much everyone in that building is a bad guy. And Batman knows that. And and I guess yeah, sure they're defending their their property, but they they just took over that building. Joker's gang. So it wasn't really theirs to begin with. And at the same time, they were doing something that was murdering a lot of people and killing a lot of people. So well, wait a minute though, wasn't it? Wasn't the building owned by the Jack Palance character? And then when he kills Jack Palance, he takes over the whole positions of the gangs and whatnots? Yeah, and the, it's illegally taken because he got it through murder. He just killed the guy and took it from him. So. And everything's wrong with you, isn't it, Shane? Killing people, poisoning people. Is there no end to this list of things that are wrong i'm just keeping up the pretense just all right wait for the after show just, just agree and <laughs> we, we can we'll get to that later on don't worry 
Got a good All plan. Right, good, good. Because I got so, a, I got a, I got an evil chemical plant that uh, I need to start feeling better about sick. right now. Axis chemicals, nice. Well, wasn't Don't worry, we we weren't we weren't bombed. Okay, good. Thank you. Now, wasn't it like not necessarily poisoning people until Joker put them up to it? So sure, they already had this chemical plant, and yeah, it made chemicals not necessarily for nefarious things. Perhaps it was some kind of a cover for their bad operation. Like a, yeah, it was like a mob print, but they currently obviously had contracts to produce products for multiple brands that mm-hmm. distributed all throughout Gotham City. So yeah, I mean, you're talking like normal, just like regular chemists going to the job, thinking he's making shampoo. And then then the Joker shows up and he's like, now you're making evil shit. Yeah, I I don't think you can kill that guy. Yeah, and, yeah. and to, to yeah, yeah. this point, it, it seemed as if it was all militants in there at the time of Batman attacking it. They only showed the militants, but come on. Yeah, so perhaps like I the, think it's the, an, the good it's people actually left. It's an implication that there weren't any good people. All the chemists working there were like part-time chemists, part-time militants. That's kind of the implication. <laughs> uh, that's the implication I've always got watching it, that when Joker takes over the place, it's all his gang and his thugs that run the place. They kick out all the you know normal workers. Um, maybe they're scared that something will get out. So they've seized they the means of production here. They yeah. have. They have seized the means of production and, for sure. And now they're doing population control. So they're fighting a good fight, really. They're a bunch of environmentalists, yeah. really. They're the, good, the real good guys, the real See? heroes. Yeah, so perhaps Fucking... this is a, a Tim Burton failing, but in watching the film, it didn't make sense to me why Batman was going here. But now upon reflection, it's like, okay, he's discovered that the chemicals that are adulterating these products are coming from this one place, so he's going to go blow it up. Th- also thinking that Joker's there, I, th- I think, because... He sees Joker. Yeah, he sees the helicopter leaving. Right. Yeah. So, so, so he, he doesn't know everybody who's in there or isn't in there. He doesn't have omniscient knowledge about the secretary playing with her kid on the second floor. Yeah. Yeah. This Batman's a bit, bit nuts. He's a bit of a murderer. It's well, this fun. is also a Batman who actually does kill people because prior to this, he's known for not killing people, right? Like that's, that's right. Thing. And not and not using guns, but he's got machine guns on the Batmobile and the the Batwing. Right. So so maybe that's another chalk in the column for it being dark, at least in the perception of people at the time, because the Batman coming into this, of course, was, you know, the old one and the comic book who other than in Batman Return or the Dark Knight Returns. And I think the Killing Joke came out um, right before this, too. Right. At least the graphic novel. Yeah, I think in 89. Yeah. 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 OK. But this is like the, the leading edge of, of Batman actually killing people and going a, a little bit against canon. But Kane's involved with this. He's like a, he's given a maybe a producer credit or a created by, and he's like a consultant. He's got that little cameo. Yeah. The, 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 the picture, sketch. the bat, the bat sketch. Yep. It's like, there's in the corner, it says Bob Kane on it, which oh. is probably not Bob Kane as an actor there, but of course, but he gets the, his little appearance there. Of course, Bill yeah, Finger, like, if you look, he gets fucked over. There's no, there's no talk yeah. about Bill Finger, but that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Batman v Superman was the first movie to formally recognize Bill Finger as, as a co-creator as well. Oh, kudos to that. Indeed. It's so weird to think that in 89, you know, Bob Kane was still around because I was a kid back then. So like, he seemed like, oh, Batman's been around for 40 years. I'm sure whoever has been involved in the creation and, and making of this stuff is, is long gone. And now it's been another 30 years. Yeah, uh, I don't know when Bob Kane died. He might have been, like been an old man. Off, like between 95 and 97, I think. So the Val Kilmer movie or uh, the George Clooney yeah. movie finally did him in? 98 no, I, is when he died. I think says. it was between those. Okay, so it was after the Clooney one. Yeah, 90s. Okay, yeah. Can we talk but about... If, if you look at like the old, like the old Bob Kane and Bill Finger, like from the thir- from 39 and 40, like before the comics code came in, 
Um, Batman did kill. He always used to say like a fitting end for his kind, or like he like as a guy looking out the window, he jumps down like smashes his neck with his with his foot, just kicks his neck and breaks it. And then oh. he he hangs yeah. someone from a from from the from the Batwing just from his neck, and he just said, "Oh, it's better off this way, or a fitting end for his kind." So he didn't like go out of his way to murder everyone, but he did kill here and there. Until the comics code came in, and then no heroes killed ever, and all the bad guys who ever die. I think there was a rule, there was a law that any hero that any any bad guy that dies has to die because of their own actions. Mm. And, yeah, and you then, see that a lot in old stuff for sure. And then a, a lot of that stuff kind of just stuck, like with the not killing, and then just became part of the character's canon. Okay, so so old Batman is like Rorschach from Watchmen. Yeah, probably a little less brutal, but yeah, more or less from thirty nine and forty. I think a bit after that, like. Like still early on in the golden age, or maybe early silver age, that's when the new rules came in. But like the very first few issues, when you see him in proper brutality. The only problem I have with Batman being a killer, and I really don't like I've I've mentioned this before, I don't have a problem with different directors having different takes of different characters for sure. Do what you have a vision of. That's fine. I I appreciate the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's a single guy with a single vision trying to tell this massively huge story and breaking up into different pieces with different people that share his vision. But if Batman's a killer, then, and he's just going to kill indiscriminately or any, anytime he thinks he sees a bad guy, or if it really makes sense to kill this guy, then why doesn't he kill the Joker like immediately? Why doesn't he kill any of his recurring big villain name guys immediately? Clearly, clearly Batman recognizes the Joker is an irredeemable character, constantly breaking out of Arkham, killing more people, killing more people, killing more people endlessly. Why doesn't he kill the Joker if he's going to kill one of the Joker's thugs? In in this version, um, I think the way I think about it is this Batman doesn't go out with the intention to kill. But if like shit gets real, that's when he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll just kill you. Like when that's someone's throwing him off. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like when there's a building, there's a, when there's like 20 people just shooting guns at him. And in a building. He'll just drop to, the whole building yeah, down in, on him. Yeah. He'll just. Yeah. Or like if some guy's throwing him down like the cathedral, he'll just. Yeah, but that's not true down. at all, Shaheen. You know it. He could have had a better plan for the Axis chemical plant. He didn't have to go in with the... He, he went in with the plan of blowing up that whole building because he does it right away. He could have gone I in and done one of the... Like, you remember that scene in uh, Batman versus Superman where um, Martha Kent is being held hostage by that gang mm-hmm. and he just goes in and takes them all down. Batman just goes in and kicks everybody's ass and is like, Martha's not dying tonight. I'm going to go in and clean everybody up. He could have done that to the Ace Chemical Plant. Clearly not in 1989 Batman when he can't turn his head. But you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I wouldn't have bought it with Michael Keaton, but I would buy it with Ben Affleck in that scene. Yeah, he can't turn it He's a Zoolander. Fair enough to that. But at the same time, like you said, that he doesn't kill Joker, but kills his thugs. He went in there thinking Joker's there as well. And the next time he's... This is a Joker who's only really Joker for like a few weeks, or a few days even. He's not... It's not like he's... He goes to Arkham, then escapes, and Arkham again. He's like a gangster named Jack who mm-hmm. falls in a vat of acid and becomes Joker, then raises some hell, then dies, and that's that's the end of Joker forever in that in that dimension in that universe. Right, right. And after the initial fight, like when he finds out what Joker's doing with all the um the laughing things and all the chemicals, he goes in trying to get rid of him. Goes in trying to kill him, and, the, and then the next time they confront each other is when he tries to uh, gun him down with a Batwing, which extremely long range. Boom. Yeah. Batman with a scope couldn't quite pinpoint Joker in his yeah. giant purple bright suit. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. There's a Star Trooper shooting there. Um, movie magic. 
let's talk about the climax just a little bit more. So they're yeah. up, they're fighting in the belfry. There's these various uh, gang member dudes attacking Batman, and Batman is able to defeat them with varying degrees of success and comic relief. But uh, I'm a little bit unsatisfied with how Keaton takes out Joker with the little wonderful toy that he has and the little, um, what is it called? Like a sling where he ties him to a gargoyle. And then apparently Nicholson's been doing the the hand grippy strength stuff because oh he yeah this bat rung or this he could do a ninja rung. warrior no problem he'd be doing that grip strength test yeah and then he's got the gargoyle <laughs> however many hundreds of pounds that must weigh and he's still able to hang on and rip the thing off of the freaking building dude he's a monster Nicholson's a beast he was doing all kinds of finger strength uh, exercises before this for the show yeah so Robert what would you do in that situation you got this thing strapped to your leg and you're hanging on to this helicopter. Would you let go of the helicopter because you're tethered to this heavy gargoyle? Yeah. So yeah, it's going to hurt a little, yeah. but you're not going to die. You'd swing down and you'd probably brain yourself maybe, but you could at least you could make it so your hands, when you swing back and smack up against the building, you'd you know, you'd know be okay. You'd probably hurt your hands a bit, but you'd be alive. I'd be afraid of this gargoyle breaking though, like I actually did. <clears throat> yeah, only well, because- if it's a movie gargoyle, then yeah, absolutely. It's only because of his super hand strength, which apparently starts <laughs> to weaken and fail on him. Well, he has to kill himself. Right. Oh, so. that's true. Yep. Well, kind of. His own doing, or he could have wriggled his way out of that a little bit differently. Batman didn't technically kill him, right? Yeah, technically. Yeah, and and why the helicopter guys, the hel- helicopter henchmen, didn't like notice something was amiss. I don't and know. Lower the helicopter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I think they just retarded. <laughs> he hired. And, oh, oh, and 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 when uh, Batman and Vale slip, and then Batman tries to save them with his tether, and they stop they their suddenly. Yeah, suddenly, like they'd be ripping limbs off of them doing that, I think, in real life. Like there was no give whatsoever. Yeah, but they got those hardnesses, you know, underneath their Have you seen Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah, uh, isn't that where uh, Gwen Stacy dies at the end when he stops that's her? That's the one, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoiler alert, but yeah, that's kind of how it would have happened in real life. Yeah, it would have snapped your neck. Broken bones at least, that kind of impact. Sudden stop, that's the whole point of the falling being bad. It's the sudden stop at the end. Yeah, so I think that a lot of this goes back to Burton just kind of like having this aesthetic, not so much on the action, not so much on the chase scenes, like when the Batmobile's driving around, it's got the rockets. It More doesn't stylized. seem like it's moving that fast. Seems kind of <laughs> moseying along. <laughs> just happens to be on fire. Well, let's talk real quick about the uh, Batmobile's self-driving technology, because this is 1989. This is pre-Uber. This is pre-Google cars. Stop. He says, stop. Right. Exactly. Stop. So he's, he can't the, see the Batmobile. Right. So he's just like armored or like, what is he like armored? Okay. Unarmor and come to me or whatever. Well, it just starts driving. Right. And people are jumping out of the way of this thing, but then finally it gets to him and he has to tell it to stop. So how, how it, does he know? How, how does he know? Like, how does it steer? How does Batmobile know where the road is? Does it just mm-hmm. have like a homing device on Batman that it like, like it tracks, okay, Batman's here and I have to drive all the way there. And if that's the case, I mean, roads aren't just one straight line. It's like a lot of different, like, uh, you know, just roads. So, hey, don't wouldn't exist in roads, a society. Okay. Yeah. This right. is pre GPS. Yeah. Um, it could just run over like, some old lady or some kid. I don't know. It seems like a health danger hazard. I don't think Batman should be doing it. I think this. they. How many innocent people could be in the way of that Batmobile? Like every they time it like shows up and there's like 12 it. dead people clung to the bumper. It's like, it's got a Oops. cattle guard full of people. Uh, windshield yeah, on. <laughs> he should have, I reckon for that part, they should have just had Alfred remote drive it from the cave. Yeah, there you go. There you go. 
little yeah. scary, yeah. little that controlly thing. That's a Toys R Us toy. Little Batman arcade, Batman '89 arcade. Yeah, the Batman RC car. You know. Yeah, perfect idea. Penguin did it in Batman Returns in his little toy thing. Yeah, perfect. Maybe that was one of the criticisms, and they're like, "Ooh, that's a good idea." All right. So, um, Shaheen, you want to you want to touch on any of the sequel of Batman Returns a little bit? Um, I, I don't want to uh, really talk about Batman and Robin at all because that was a uh, pretty bad. Fair enough. What? You serious? Arnold's the best. I know. There was one thing else I wanted to touch about in this movie, and that's just the prevalence of corruption. You can see, like, especially in Batman Returns as well. Not so much in Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. They kind of took a a big step away from the whole duck and like gritty shit. It became, oh, they made it a lot more camp. <clears throat> so it was nice to see, you know, like, especially in Batman Returns, like Christopher Walken and working with the mayor and trying to make Penguin mayor so he can have his own like power plan or whatever. And like, yeah, just and, like Lieutenant Eckhart in this, the fat guy. Why he wasn't, I guess he, they couldn't have killed, uh, what's his name? Gordon. Bullock. Yeah, cool. they could, I guess they couldn't have killed Bullock, but they could just kill some random fat cop guy. Yeah. Thing is, I don't think we've, we, we've never actually seen a film Bullock because we, we've seen fat police officers like in Batman Begins as well, but they're always bad guys. Thing is, Bullock's actually a good guy, which I'm glad they didn't make any of these guys Bullock because I, I really like Bullock. I think he's a cool guy. But yeah. He's a great fat, character in the anime series, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's a bit of a dick, but a good dick. Yeah, no, he's he's a lot of fun. He's a good foil for Batman for sure. All right, but yeah, so, corruption is definitely part of the Gotham City. It always has been. They played it up. Um, it's they always play it up like the mob has, mm-hmm. you know, the cops in their back pocket, and they just kind of run the town. I mean, they kinda, do. It's just they different. do. It's just called a different thing, though. Yeah. And something else I did notice, like this, like Batman and Batman Returns, the burn ones. Yeah, they were a lot more dark, darker and grittier, and they dealt with corruption a lot more, whereas, and they felt more like, you know, Jack Skeleton Corpse Bride film, whereas the Schumacher ones, like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, they felt like part of an opera pe- opera set piece, like with all the different, like, flashy colors and like, the nipples, and, like, remember that scene, like, in Batman and Robin where they have a big statue? Like, there's just a random giant statues of muscular men around Gotham City. I don't. Um, re- I try. I've blocked most of that movie out of my mind, so I don't remember exactly. Yeah, pound me too. I, I don't really remember much of that one. But it's one of the movies you watch like to get drunk. It's like drunk, drink every time you cringe, and then you end up with liver failure. Mm-hmm. It's like Jack <laughs> and Jill. Yeah, I, I think I if you were a young kid and you watched those movies, I think you would be much like people like the Batman or the, the the Star Wars prequels, if you watch them when you're five or six years old, I think you can get past some of those stupider things. But if you are old enough, they, they just get cringeworthy and just hard to watch. You know what I see, though? Unless is, you're is, properly lubricated. If you compare the Batman and Robin and um, what's the other one with Val Kilmer? Batman Forever? Forever. Yeah. Those seem more similar to present day comic book films than the Burton ones. Like as far as legacy, well, like goes, MCU stylized Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. They seemed like a little bit precursor to the Marvel movies. Like the Marvel movies compare more similarly to those than the, these Burton ones. Like tonally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like kind of kiddish jokey, mm-hmm. nothing too mature really. Even and when they do have mature themes, it's kind of like a very watered down abridged sort of thing. Like, Compare the oh, yeah. politics of, let's say, civil civil war to Batman v Superman. Like people say, oh, civil war had lots of politics too. It just had Iron Man being a dick and joining the government, and Captain America saying no. And it was like, oh, you guys caused destruction. Government needs to regulate you. That was 
pretty much the whole, all the political stuff. Whereas Bambi Superman had that as well, like with the court hearings for Superman, like what Superman should do, as well as like just what xenophobia a powerful alien might feel. If he's like the only alien living on Earth, I'm trying to come to acceptance with like, who is he? Like whether he's human or not. Mm. That's so also I just, I just in, like, uh, Batman Returns with Penguin. Hmm. yeah penguin. feeling like an outcast and like he wants to know who he is what his humanity is where he comes well, from there, oh, that's well, there, have, have you seen you didn't you didn't see the whole thing i'm just gonna give some spoilers he already knows who he is the whole the whole point of coming out and pretending to find out who he is is so he can access public rec, um birth records so he can find all the kids like all the firstborns of gotham's wealthiest families so he can kill, kill them all with rockets yeah, because he says to penguins backs penguins exactly <laughs> He's like, if he doesn't get to, you know, if he was out an outcast by his parents, then all these kids need to be killed as well. It's like an angry form of revenge on society. It also s- seems like it echoes uh, some biblical stories, right? Like when Cobblepots are put in, they, they put uh, the baby in the river. That's like the Moses, Moses yeah. in the river thing. And then mm-hmm. killing all the firstborn. That was like born of Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you guys knew that was uh, Pee Wee Herman. As the dad, right? In Batman Returns, Cobblepot. Actually, yeah, that sounds right. I I probably knew that at one point. It sounds familiar. Yeah, because uh, Burton, you know, he he brought Pee Wee Herman and he brought Michael Keaton to this to Batman. It's like he's got his uh, his yeah. own traveling group of friends who he's like Adam out. Sandler. He always puts his friends yeah. in his movies. Nothing wrong with that, as long as they do right. a good job. Mm-hmm. Well, All you know, right. Daniel, you haven't seen the uh, the Gem movie. Where Adam Sandler that made a couple of people's best movies list. Yeah, Uncut Gems. We might need to see that at some point. Supposedly, it's really good. Okay, I have not. I have not seen it. But uh, I I Adam Sandler in a good movie. What? What? Apparently, what dimension is this? Apparently, Adam Sandler's um, manager didn't want him to do it because it's it 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 features Adam Sandler as a greedy Jew. And he's like, oh, you don't want you don't want to be playing a greedy Jew. Oh, nice. Fair enough. But I don't know. But apparently, it's, it's yeah, it's supposed to be really good. I'm looking forward to seeing. It. Okay, I have a whole slate of movies that um, I have to watch just for the sake of watching them. But because we do a show about movies, I find watching more than the movie that we're gonna do, and sometimes even that is too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you. Mean. I still haven't finished Parasite. I started it and I'm almost done. I got like a half hour left. It's good, but I just haven't finished it. Yeah, is is it show worthy? I, I imagine it is, just from the description and how. Uh, I saw a review on Gizmodo and they love it because it's all about wealth inequality and class and Oh yeah, there's plenty there's not yeah, plenty of stuff to talk about, not only from the movie, but from the people's analysis of it. All the people that seem to think that class is this horrific thing and rich people are all the worst and good poor people are all the best and I don't mind movies that, you know, touch upon that stuff, like to show like, oh, some people live like this, some people live like that. Like, yeah, sure. But when they have that message of like this is wrong. It needs to be fixed by like, let's say do this or do that. That's when the problem yeah. comes in where it's like propaganda is, but like movies about like lower class people and difficulties of living like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, yeah, this real life struggles that will exist in every society ever. Sure. But when you say that, Oh, all these rich people are bad and all these poor people are good. And now we need to get a fucking government to come and get take from there. Like that's when it gets like, Hey, fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's the idea that you can only get rich by exploiting others. And that's just, we make fun of that on this show all the time, but it's just ridiculous. Right. Another example is, of course, uh, Jeff Bezos, who associated with Amazon, which has made my life better, made mil- many millions of people's lives better. Uh, cheaper products delivered 
far easier than the older methods. Well, the left, of course, eats him because he's worth a billion plus dollars, five billion, ten billion, whatever the number is, sixty it's billion, like a hundred and something billion, or whatever. But yeah, a quadrillion billion. But quadrillion. It doesn't matter yeah. what the number is. What matters is the left hates him no matter what he does. He just dedicated ten billion dollars to fighting climate change, and the left response to that is, "You're a hypocrite because of all the packaging you use. We hate you still." So there's no appeasing these people at all. Yeah, yeah. And he bought like a house, a mansion. Like in California, in, like the, the Hollywood, like the biggest mansion ever for a big chunk of money. And they're like, it was only one tenth of one percent of what he's worth. Okay. This, why is that bad? Like, so would it. you rather Good not get it then? And like, do, do these, I think a lot of people think when they find out someone's net worth is like that many million or billion, they they think they have that much money just either in cash or in the bank, just lying around. It's like, you know what assets are, right? You know what a business is, you know what revenue is, you know what reinvestment in your own business is. Either probably doesn't have as much you know you would never have as much money in your bank as is your uh, your assets unless you sell everything right, right. And, and if everyone decided that they hated amazon and they wanted to stop using it tomorrow he would be uh, poor again it, yeah but exactly. he provides a great service his mostly his wealth is tied up with the power of his company and the the level to which everybody loves it and wants to use it yeah now tie this back into batman just real quick um there was a yeah. line in here i wrote down that it says the rich can afford to be odd and I forget who oh, says it yeah. in the original one. Knock. Knock. the reporter. The, the reporter guy, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some uh, some pretty hot takes that were pretty SJW-y. Uh, and he had a hot one for... Uh, yeah, he Kim seemed Bet to be like the voice of the author. It seemed to be the screenwriter's yeah. voice in a lot of his comments. And he was one of those swoopers. Like, he was always trying to, like, hit on Vicky Vale, but she wasn't interested, and she kept putting him off. And he was talking mm -hmm. shit about Bruce Wayne, you know, trying to, like, yep. wedge in there. Didn't work. Yeah. Sorry, but cock block, Bruce. That's the way it goes. But uh, anyway, we should probably uh, wind this down. We've been going for uh, the length of the show already. So, um, any final comments before we get into summary and review? And then uh, we'll get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which is bonus content available for our Patreon supporters at lastnight.com slash Patreon. Send us some dollars and we'll give you pre show and post show bonus content and other such goodies. I just wanted to mention that Selena Kyle just hashtag Selena Kyle didn't kill herself. You know, when oh, he pushes yeah. her down the window. Yeah. Oh, so. uh, yes, yes. Much like Jeffrey Epstein. Exactly. And also one other thing, do I, am I the only one who finds it weird how like Selena Kyle is just some secretary or executive assistant or whatever. And then she goes from that, falls down a window, goes insane, makes a cat suit out of leather, and now goes around being the shit out of people like so easily. Like I guess she has the claws now, but wouldn't make it that much easier to just walk around beating people up. She is a woman, Shaheen. How dare you? Questioning her oh, abilities? Guess, bigotry and sexism over here. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like when, when I was watching the Bat uh, Batman fight her, like you see Batman's like kind of like, whoa, like you hit a woman. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like Batman's yeah. like, stop hiding that bird. Like, come on, Batman. He's <laughs> a criminal. A clever, of, uh, it's one of the benefits of the Batsuit. It was a clever ruse on her part, you know? Use his chivalry against him. Yeah, yeah you and your dumb chivalry. Yeah. Punch Next her in the face. He did punch her in the face. Yeah, a couple times. Pump her in the threw, baby he, maker. He, he, he tried to fucking kill her. He like pushed mm -hmm. her off. Mm -hmm. She didn't fall in that truck. She'd be dead. Hey, and the kitty litter? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into final it's summary like, review on, on this one. If you reject Batman, he just pushes you off a building. So don't reject Michael Keaton. <laughs> fucking nuts. He will kill you. That, that, that's why me. Vicky Vale's not in the in Batman Returns. She got pushed off a building too. Mm-hmm. You know, I did appreciate that they at least uh, made reference to her in Batman Returns. And he just basically said, oh, it didn't work out. 
mean, I can't imagine that a one night stand didn't work out, but you know. Yeah. yeah. Damn it, Alfred. Alfred's a moron. Yep. <laughs> Alfred was wrong. Alfred was wrong. I think that hashtag. could be a hashtag. Mm-hmm. All right, Robert, you want to kick us off with a summary review? Maybe yeah. I will, Daniel. So you want me to review this movie and tell you about my final take is? Yeah, Batman right. 89. And if you give it an 8.9 score, I'm going to disown you. There's no way in hell this movie is that good. I mean, I appreciate it and I, I appreciate the idea, but this movie isn't even a seven. So maybe back in the day it was, but with my superhero colored glasses on, it's man, it just keeps falling every time something new and better comes out. I mean, not that the current crop of movies are super fantastic, expialidocious, but this movie, you know, at the time it was so good. Of course, I was only 13, but everything about it was really fantastic because we didn't expect, you know, this level of quality for a comic book character. I mean, today we expect billion dollar movies, massive blockbusters, but there was once upon a time when comic book movies were a joke. They were just stupid. Like the original Fantastic Four movie was just hilarious. The original Captain America movie, which they wouldn't even show. It's just a guy on a motorcycle just riding around beating people up. It's, these movies, such little money and effort and talent was put into these things that it's a miracle that we're where we are today. Maybe it takes like a guy like John Favreau and uh, Robert Downey Jr. to make Iron Man and kind of kickstart everything. But back in the day, we were kind of starved for good comic book movies. And this was one of the best of the bunch, especially with the Schumacher movies coming afterwards. It was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. The, ba- the, the Burton ones, these are way better. And Keaton. Keaton is actually a damn good Bruce Wayne, and he's a decent Batman, but he's a damn good Bruce Wayne. So he's definitely preferred to Clooney, just obviously. Um, but on its own merits, it's it's so I I can't I, I just can't I can't judge this on its own merits. It, it it's a part of a universe, and it's a part of the world we live in. So on a sliding scale of comic book movies, this just keeps falling down the list of the best ones, especially after you know, getting such great performances from all the people that we've had and probably hopefully with Pattinson going forward. I mean, I don't know who the villains are going to be in that new movie, but hopefully somebody good, of course. So I, I'm going to have to give this a 6.9. It's not quite a seven. And if you ask me to watch this movie again in 10 years, it's probably going to be even lower, but it's still, it's still a positive movie. Still what it is. It's got a certain charm, certain uh, aesthetic to it that is unique to you know a burton film and if you really like burton and his vision of how to tell a story then i think you'll really enjoy this but um it has definitely showed its age although keaton still is strong for sure and nicholson's performance is still decent but it's nothing you're going to find a whole lot of nuance that I, I don't think he really plays up a very humanized character i think he plays a whereas today's actors are really approaching it more from a fully fleshed out realizing character that just happens to have like these super as opposed to uh two-dimensional comic book wacky character so 6.9 all right 6.9 that's pretty good uh i think that you're right it's gonna probably lose another point per decade so in 10 years if we are still doing this (laughs) when we're even older men than we are now it might be a 5.9 but uh i too remember this as a child watching this um i went to the movie theater with my cousins my uncle uh paid for us all to go and it blew us away at the time And I think due to the dearth of good comic book movies back at that period, I mean, Superman's were pretty good. But other than that, yeah, most of it was just a crap fest. And having uh, this movie and having it be so dark, I think it did usher in a new era. But 
Um, perhaps it also killed that era with the subsequent um, Batman and Robin with the Schwarzenegger and Clooney and the bat nipples. Uh, and perhaps you're right that Iron Man was what really brought it back to being mainstream fair. But for the most part, you know, this this was iconic. It also was one of the big um, consumer tie-ins. You saw the bat symbol everywhere, like everywhere, products, TV shows, commercials, every restaurant, uh, all the bat toys. It was probably the biggest thing in um, merchandising since Star Wars. Um, and so culturally, I think it has a, a pretty big role to play, though it does get dated by the moment. I mean, it, it really looks old. It looks of the period. It's it's definitely got that Burton-esque feel to it. The music from Elfman is great, and the music from Prince is out of place. Uh, so so much so that our Batman man just ignores it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm going to go lower than a 6.9. I'm going to go with a 6 on this. Um, it's it's It goes down as a historical moment as far as film, but I don't think it's a great movie. But I think it's an important movie, and it did lead a resurgence back into this realm and, and bringing out this type of uh, this this genre back to the fore. Yeah, it's a better milestone movie than uh, itself. I would agree. Like whatever memories you have of it, keep those, cherish them. <laughs> Don't go back. You can never go back. All right, Shaheen, let's go to you for your for your takedown and uh, your score. All right. Well, I also watched this movie movie when I was a kid as well, like probably like eleven, twelve ish. Um, which does seem pretty old I mean, it came out so long before, but like I only really got into Batman at, at like uh, preteen years. Um, I think it's, I enjoy the movie. I mean, I love Tim Burton's, you know, gothic takes on things and his, his animated films as well as this. So when I think of it as a Tim Burton movie, not as just a normal movie, like I find it more enjoyable. And there's just something about Michael Keaton's like Bruce Wayne and Batman that I just like the personality of. And it's just, I guess classic's the word, the word I'm really looking for. It's a very, it's classic, but in a unique way. Like in a unique way, as in it gave Joker an actual name and backstory, which usually in DC, like comics and like Dark Knight and stuff is not canon. He, you, we don't know what, he, what his past is. They made, like the, he also changed Penguin, like made him Catwoman as well. So instead of Catwoman being some rich thief, she just goes some, becomes a crazy uh, secretary who's trying, trying to kill her boss. And Penguin is just like a, abandoned like freak show whereas he's meant to be like deformed still but part of a wealthy crime family so he did change some things around but it still has that classic feel to it it's the closest i'd say movie we get to a classic like out of the comics batman take like dark knight features a far more realistic take on characters the i guess either this or the early dceu would have been the most like based off the comics ish type of thing I enjoyed the plot as well. It wasn't that hard and it wasn't very philosophical. Like you can just watch it once and pretty much get everything. No need to watch again or analyze the plot after you're done. During the whole mind map. Oof. Honestly, I'd say like I can see that it's dated, but I I like to judge it for what it was when it came out. So I either reckon I'd give it probably a seven point five. Surprise, surprise, I'm a Batman guy, I'm gonna rate it fairly highly, but yeah, say seven point five. All right, so so almost the uh, the black and gold. If we go way back in our historical records of how we used to rate things around here, uh, so Shaheen, thank you for bringing this one up. Thank you for being our Batman guy. We do enjoy having you on, and of course, this was a movie that kind of kicked it all off. It brought us Dark Knight. It brought us Heath Ledger. It brought us even Joker. Uh, so it brought us a lot of really great content, and great performances since. And so for that, I, I think in the historical context, this is an important film. 
for the genre, and I, I am glad they got made. So yeah, without uh, the massive runaway success of this film, we wouldn't have had for better or for worse those movies in the '90s, but then also probably what we enjoy today. If you would enjoy the movies, and I think most yeah, so it's a bit of a, a stepping stone. So uh, Gene, we, we'd love to have you back again in the future. Um, I'm sure there's other Batman stories that we can go over with you, or anything else in the DCU or elsewhere um because you've always got something interesting to say and, and a good take and we enjoy talking with you uh so we'll of course have all of your previous appearances on our show notes page at lastnighters.com 112 and links to your twitter and uh, also some of your articles on um some websites that uh that we know you write for so we'll have all that out there um and robert uh where can people get all those wonderful toys that we offer for um you know good things that they do for us I believe it's uh, lastnighters.com slash Patreon. Is that is that it, Daniel? You can also go to trepster.com, buy some t-shirts. You could go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can do any number of things. You could join our Facebook group, the uh, Actual Anarchy Cadre. You can do yeah, all that's those a things bonus. and many, many that's more. bonus for Patreon people. Oh, and one thing, I, I keep meaning to mention this on our shows uh, because we made a switch probably two months ago now to where now our YouTubes are not just the uh, thumbnail art the whole time with audio. Now it's us, our heads, our faces, talking, our guests, everything. It's live action. So if you're only a listener of the show, audio Lee, um, make note of this change and you can subscribe on uh, YouTube and watch us. You can see what we look like. You can put uh, a face to the voice, the voices that are grating and, and bothering you and, um, you know, ruining you your life. Listen to the current all the time. And it's sounds like two guys, agreeing with each other all the time. Well, there actually are two of us and you can actually, this is the kind of is evidence of that. Right. Well now three, cause we've got our guests. We usually do have a guest. We, we did go through a phase of uh, no guests for a while. Cause um, I don't know. Some ill Everyone goes through phases, Daniel. It's just part of life. Yeah. So much like the Batman series, the film series has gone through many phases, but uh, is there a Schumacher phase. Yeah, unfortunately, we, are we going to have a nipple phase? We might. Really oh, nice. prominently feature those nipples. Yeah, we'll do it right here. I'll, I'll definitely done. come in for that. <laughs> All right. For that. All right. Maybe Pattinson will have some nipples. We'll see. But the, uh, the new image has been leaked of him in the suit. He looks different for sure. Okay. You have to check that out. Maybe they'll uh, release the Snyder Cut at some point. We'll see some Hopefully. Affleck bat nipples. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, uh, this has been our episode on Batman 89, a little bit on Batman Returns. This can be found on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction, and also at lastnighters.com slash 112. Our guest has been Shaheen, and we'll be back next week talking about Contagion, which is a worldwide pandemic that just spreads like wildfire, and the uh, response to that, uh, this might be somewhat relevant due to the uh, scare that's going on with the coronavirus, and we're going to have Mr. and Mrs. Raylene Lightheart on for that discussion next week. Uh, catch it next week, pun intended. Any final words for our audience, Robert? <laughs> Before no. I, I do no, any more stay safe, Don't get sick. Live. Stay inside. Wear those little masks and live to listen to another episode. Don't don't be a hero. Don't be a Batman going out there and catching all the coronaviruses, having sex with the random Vicky Vales. Or blowing up access it's worth it. It's, it, You could. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe maybe it's. Just don't let Alfred bring her into the cave. Just don't tell Alfred about her. <laughs> really. Yeah, Alfred, you're fired. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night from last night.
All right, so we're going to continue the transmission for a bit longer on the Actual Anarchy podcast before we actually do get into the Patreon bonus content. Um, I was going to save my question of where does he get all those wonderful toys for for now, or Robert, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Which I don't even know what it means. Uh, but that's to say it's something you say before you kill a guy. Yeah, it's just a thing to say, and of course that's the tell or the tip off to Wayne that it was Joker or Jack who killed his parents, but that's not canon. Uh, and I guess a little bit of the story behind that is Burton added that to the film because I guess there was a writer strike going on at the time and they were changing it from whoever, uh, the uh, actual guy who killed him. And Sheen, I know, you know, who the name, the name of that guy was who in the comic books killed the Waynes. No, yeah, it's, oh, really? Jer- is it not canon? Chill, yeah. It's in the comic books. So there's a guy that kills him named Jerry chill, which is sometimes called, sometimes not. Um, but in, in the proper, uh, in this, in the Burton verse, then yeah, it is Jack Napier or Joker who kills his parent. Right. And so that's a bit of a departure from comic, but also yeah. at the same time, I mean, a lot of what's going on in, in Batman 89 is a bit of a departure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I guess you can kind of give him, um, give him a pass on that. Right. With that change. Cause he did yeah. change a bunch of other stuff. I mean, it's, 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 it's an adaptational change, which I don't mind. I don't want everything to be like a, the spitting image of it, of the comics. You just read the comics instead. It's good for them to have some sort of original takes. Okay. All right. So uh, on some of the previous episodes, we had us uh, rank our performances by various jokers. Do either of you have any changes in your opinion of that rank order from last time after watching uh, Batman 89 again and, and getting a, a refresh on Nicholson's performance? Robert, go. No, it's, it, it is exactly as I remembered it. He didn't surprise me. He didn't disappoint me. It was just, yeah, this is what it was. Uh, there's just no nuance to the character. I mean, if you want a guy who's serious and then he laughs, and he's serious, then he laughs, then sure, I guess he's he's okay, but he doesn't climb up on my list. And now, obviously, I think Jack Nicholson's a, a great actor, and if you give him more meat, he'll he'll digest it and he'll choose some scenery. But, you know, this is this is, they were working from a script that hadn't been written yet in terms of what a possible, you know, comic book movie could be. These were the guys that were innovating at the time and kind of creating what's possible. They weren't looking at this roadmap of what had already been done before. I mean, they had Chris Reeves Superman, basically uh, what they're working off of. Like this is, we're going to obviously not go this bright and bubbly guy, but they didn't have this depth and breadth of material to look at and say, you know, this is, this is what we could do now. Uh, what it is, it's fine. I don't know. He's 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 okay, but no, he's not. He's not the best that ever was. At the time, he probably was. Is either him or Romero, right? But now, there's been so much better. Yeah. So he was a four for you, I think, prior because you had Ledger and Phoenix, like basically tied for one, and then you had Hamill, and then yeah, Nicholson. yeah, and Hamill's obviously just for the voice, but you can't go wrong. I and mean, he's done not only the animated series but also the video games. Yeah, and a few of the films, the animated films. Right. Yeah. Uh, Shaheen, does does a refresh on your Nicholson viewing of Joker change anything for you? Or are you pretty much where you were? I'm still where I am. Although I I, I like his performance a lot. It reminded me of like like I'm like okay, it's, yeah, it is right. That it doesn't have that much nuance to it as compared to let's say uh, Ledger or especially Phoenix. But I guess in that weird Burton esque world of black and white, it kind of is supposed to be like the comic booky. So like I don't have any problems with it. So I still yeah. keep it where it is. Yeah, okay. I, I think I think he was giving Burton what Burton was asking for, like this kind of two dimensional, wacky—I don't know, wacky—but you know what I mean, like just like cardboard cutout of a comic book villain. 
on his own terms and on his own shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny awesome. thing is he'd run his own yeah. demands there. These days, like comic book characters and just people, just bad guys and heroes in comic books. Like you said, like back then they used to be just like comic book. He's like these days, comic book villains, like rarely you'll find a two dimensional one. Like almost everyone has a backstory or nuance to it in modern comics. Yeah. Like, like why does Thanos work so well as a villain? Because we understand his motivation. Like when, when, when a villain is just evil for the sake of being evil, which is just like the laziest of writing, you really can't, you can't oppose like the guy philosophically. You're just like, well, this is just like some sort of mad dog. And then there's all other kinds of problems with it. Like you don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. And then something like removes the audience from the plot and getting invested in the plot, all kinds of problems. But when we understand the villains motivation, we can kind of, see us see ourselves in that person even if we disagree with the way they're solving the problem at least we could recognize that they see a problem and they're trying to solve it even through imperfect means it makes them humanizes them now is 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 joker not like uh the exception to that because he is chaos especially the ledger joker yes well he says he is but that's uh, just that's that's what the that's what the joker movie does as well like it, it's very nuanced, and it's only until the very end where he just becomes pure evil. Like he does have a reason; he's humanized, and he wants to wants to fix up his life and everything throughout the movie. But it's only at the very end where he's like, "Fuck this shit! I'm being, I'm just gonna be a normal, I'm just gonna be an evil guy." So he gets driven to that. Another exception to that, like to just the evil character who's just evil. When you have a character who's so powerful that like just petty things about like like let's like interdimensional characters, like someone who lives in the fourth dimension who. This whole universe is like a pebble for him, doesn't care about it. And all he wants is complete domination control over everything. For someone like Darkseid, like that would work for someone as powerful as that. But just to get some random, let's say, thug who's like, I'm evil because fuck the good guys. Yeah. Like definitely applies to that. But like having someone be bad for the sake of being bad because that's who they are works either in Joker's case or in someone ultra powerful like, uh, like Darkseid. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I was going to save uh, another question for this, but we are already um, a little bit too long, but I guess I'll make it quick. Um, go to you, Robert, first. Selena Kyle or Vicky Vale? As a girlfriend for Batman? Well, there's got to be, I mean, there's some seriously um, tantalizing aspects to Selena Kyle. I mean, that damaged goods kind of like, you know, she's going to be incredible in the sack. You just know. She's going to blow your doors off. That's just going to be some incredible sex. Vicky Vale, if you want a little bit more vanilla, someone you can take home to mom, but he doesn't have a mom. So, you know, all bets are off. The problem problem solved. Exactly. He's got Alfred. Who cares? You can bring home anybody for Alfred. He's going to do his job anyway, regardless. So it's really just... Well, let uh, him into the Batman. I mean, Selena Kyle historically has fit better for Batman. I mean, not only is she like a counterpart to him, like they're both a match for each other physically, psychotically, and, you know, she's that damaged goods uh, piece of tail that, uh, man, she's going to, she'll have no problems getting the old uh, soldier to stand to attention, I'm telling you. Wow. Okay. Normally I would have saved this kind of level of content for our Patreon bonus content called Kathleen Turner Overdrive, but uh, get, you get a little uh, little taste, everyone, here. Well, then you, have to, you also have to deal with the crazy. I mean, it's not all rainbow from and roses, so you do have to, like, keep her at a certain distance. You're not, you're probably not marrying yeah. Selena Kyle and wedding her to the Wayne fortune. Probably not. Okay. All right. Uh, Shaheen, your take. And, and then we'll say goodnight. Hmm. Actually, do you want to leave my take for Kathleen Turner Overdrive? Oh, it's like maybe a... even spicier. 
All right, we're going to spice it up on Kathleen Turner Overdrive available for our Patreon supporters. This has been episode 169 for Batman 89. Our guest has been Shaheen. We'll have show notes and more at actualanarchy.com slash 169 with all of his prior appearances, most of them related to Batman and DCEU. We'll have him back again in the near future, and we will have Contagion catch it with us next week, and we will say maximum freedom, everyone. Have a good night. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do. days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.